So, uh, like I said yesterday in the Telegram chat, so if you want to... Dang! So that is this morning's I Found Dangerous Young. They're like a German group. Uh, totally love the guy feeling himself across the floor in his... Bavarian shorts. So, uh, like I said yesterday in the Telegram chat, so if you want to get updates, I'm always there lurking around um, and talking when I have five minutes. Uh, guys, just enjoy the show uh, because things are about to get hot and heavy really, really quick. Uh, we have about, what is it? It's the second, right? So we've got six days, um, I would say December 12th. By December 12th, you're gonna, this week is kind of bananas. Uh, so like I said, I uh, did my show a little bit earlier today because I'm kind of mobile. Um, I'm mobile because I'm uh, really, really, uh, I'm actually going somewhere else. Um, uh, let's just say I'm a little bit concerned as to the uh, somewhere else that I'm going, but I'll talk to you guys from there tomorrow. Um, <laughs> so I saw a lot of you panicking about bars announcement yesterday. I saw you guys, um, you know, just eating it up. Uh, I thought it was very, you know, I kind of like this graphic. I just don't like the skulls on the bottom, but it's very pertinent now. Uh, I just, you know, <laughs> like this, I couldn't take it out yet. Uh, but you know, our president is golfing. I mean, does that sound like someone that's worried? Right? Um, there's a lot of good people working. Uh, and I have to thank Hera, um, my eldest daughter, who uh, was like, you should start the day with some ACDC. And so, uh, first of all, I'm like super impressed that my 20-year-old child listens to ACDC. Uh, let's just say that. Now, um, where do we start today? Today we have hell a lot to talk about. Um, let's see. I want to start with McEnany, um blasting uh, Pelosi. See, because I noticed that Chuck Schumer held a conference, but not Pelosi. So where is Pelosi and what is she doing is a question. Um, so I want to start with that. But I also want us to look at things that make you go, hmm, what is going on here? Uh, which are very important because it'll put things in perspective for you. See, that's the problem with our news these days. They never put things in perspective. They simply tell you that the world is on fire and they're right, you're wrong, and you need to suck it. But you were here with me in July when we heard Pelosi give us her plan. And what was her plan? doesn't matter location or geography if a certain someone doesn't want to leave we're going to inaugurate whoever we want to inaugurate and you know that's still on the table that timeline's actually at a freaking 38 percent which is bizarre to have a fake inaug i mean he's walking around with a sign that says office of the president-elect like what the like, where does that come from when has that ever happened okay when has that ever happened Absolutely never, right? <laughs> so it's 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 just it's so embarrassing. 
I mean, as an American and, and as someone that would see my nation for so many years as a person, as a whole person competing on a global stage, I could tell you it's, it's embarrassing. It's like, it's like that friend, you know, that, you know, is a hot mess and you take him out to dinner and I could be that friend though sometimes, let's be honest, but you know, the hot mess friend and you're just like, yeah, so, but you love that friend so much that you don't care that they're hot mess, right? That's how I see the United States. It's like a person, right? Our nation to me for years was an one entity, not millions of people, one entity. And right now it has, I feel embarrassed. Like if I was standing in a room with leaders, I'd be like, yeah, so um, it's a bit of a shit show. <laughs> don't pay attention. Just listen to us. Let's negotiate. Yeah. Dumpster fired. Don't look there. That's how I feel. Okay. Uh, that is how I feel. And, you know, I've been that friend before the dumpster fire that's hanging out with the friends. But just don't look over there. <laughs> Right now, I actually feel embarrassed on a global stage to what's going on and how we're allowing it. I mean, I'd prefer that we were like, you know, the people, the parliament in Nigeria and Ghana, where they throw chairs at each other, shoot each other. No, I don't want them to do that. But that's the type where you can actually see them in altercations. Here, we just have the media against all of us. And we're going to talk about that, too, because... Hey, James O'Keefe really lit some fires, and I'm so glad he did. Uh, kind of like the the way, you know, infiltrated the Zoom calls of all these leftists, which are crazy. And everything we are doing is walking into what plan they had. The legislatures in Michigan decided to hold their electorals. I already told you, they fixed it. You were here with me where we walked through that whole plan. They've already planned that they're going to win 26 to 24 because then each state gets one voice. Remember, that is a very big deal. The fact that we're doing exactly what they expected us to do, and they're doing this before December 8th, Safe Harbor Day, is a big deal. But sometimes you have to look weak. And then you strike like a falcon in the middle of the air as they're flying about. You just that's it. It's boom. Done. She's the White House press secretary. It looks like she's on the North Lawn. Kaylee, good morning to you. Great to join you. Good to have you. OK, so Griff was just talking about uh, the situation down in Georgia where they've got the twin runoff races first week in January. And he brought up, uh, you know, the president is talking about how the election was rigged. And there are a number of Republicans who are worried that that kind of thing could backfire on that particular runoff election because they say, you know, if it's rigged, if the if the 2020 November election was rigged and this one's rigged, why should I even bother voting? Yeah, you know, I'll leave it to the campaign to pontificate on the president's strategy with well, regard sometimes to you're with the, the, the campaign. So, you know, the thinking there. I do. Um, I'm joining you in my official capacity today from the White House lawn. But I'll say this. The president has been unapologetic for the last 10 months in saying that mail-in voting, mass mail-in voting is subject to fraud. Uh, this has been a, a key part of what he's talked about when it comes to election integrity. He wants to make sure signatures are matched. Right. Uh, the mail-in voting uh, is sacrosanct and is treated with the integrity that every American vote deserves, that it's actually encapsulating the vote of the American people. But can't that come back to backfire with this Georgia special election? 
No, because the president, again, look, if you go back to when Nancy Pelosi took the gavel, the very first bill she put in place was H.R. 1. This was mm -hmm. to allowing people on voting rolls, illegal immigrants on voting rolls, no signature matching. Democrats for years, far before the 2016 election, uh, the 2020 election, rather, have tried to make our election system less secure. The president is going to continue to fight for that while also saying it's important to turn out and vote while also perfect perfecting the system. So, Kaylee, we want you to respond to this. The AP, they put out an article about the, the female staff, communication staff that Biden has selected. They wrote uh, four of the seven top communication roles at the White House will be filled by women of color. And it's the first time the entire senior White House communications team will be entirely female. I know that you blasted the paper. Some of your staffers did saying, hey, look at us. We're all female. Then you had a guy who's one of the staffers who works on your team. I know all the bosses are females. And he said, since I arrived at the Trump White House, a woman has always been my boss. First, it was Hope Hicks, Mercedes Schlapp, and Sarah Sanders. Then it was Stephanie Grisham. And of course, currently, it's Kaylee McEnany and Elisa Farah. I guess the media forgot. His name is Judd Deere. What's your reaction? Because they're saying that you're lying about it. Yeah, Judd Deere is a great member of our team. Every senior role in the White House, senior role in the White House is a female. This president, out of the five press secretaries that have been women, uh, three of them have been under President Trump. He appointed the first working mom in Sarah Sanders, then appointed another working mom, and then appointed me uh, with a newborn under the age of one. He's consistently empowered women. But the double standard in the media is absolutely absurd. If you're a Democrat woman who comes into the West Wing behind me, who takes that podium. Your biggest concern outside of your official duties is the next glowing profile written about you. If you're a female woman in the Republican Party who takes that podium, guess what your worry is? Having a Playboy reporter shout questions at you, demeaning misogynistic questions during a briefing. It's a double standard. It's one that's ridiculous and one that the White House Correspondents Association right. should look into when you have Playboy reporters shouting at women in a misogynistic manner simply because they're a member of the GOP. I think Judd Deere needs a promotion. It doesn't by how many bosses he's had. Uh, he does a really good job. He's now, great. if we can go to Operation Warp Speed, uh, we are waiting. The planes are ready to go. The vaccine is ready to go. The FDA isn't yet. And according to the Axios, Mark Meadows has some of the FDA commissioner, Stephen Hahn, not to a Zoom call, but to show up in person and explain what the delay is. There's a sense they're not working around the clock and that he went to the outer banks to quarantine or vacation when you really should be pushing the Moderna vaccine before the middle of December and this Pfizer vaccine as in yesterday. What could you tell? I know it's easy to punt on this. But what could you tell us? Is there a little bit of tension that maybe the FDA is not working as hard as the CDC and others like yourself and the president? Well, you know, I don't want to talk about the the meetings that will be going on today in the in the West Wing. But I'll, what I'll say is this is we're working around the clock. Uh, you had Monsef Salawi come out and say normally a vaccine takes between four years and 25 years. Think about that. A quarter of a century in some cases for a vaccine. I know, but is the FDA, done, Kaylee, is there a sense that the FDA isn't? Look, I think the FDA is working around the clock as well. This is a partnership here. Uh, everyone wants to see American life saves from Dr. Stephen Hahn uh, to this president. But this president will never apologize for putting the fire under these agencies to say, yes, we want a safe vaccine. Absolutely. We also want a fast one because lives are at stake and a vaccine by the end of the year is key and paramount. And that's exactly what this president has done. And he'll continue to push agencies to be rapid, but to be safe. Right. And uh, in the early days, the administration said to the 
governors, you know what, because different localities are, you know, have different conditions. Everybody should be in charge of things in their own states. Some of the governors are talking about more lockdowns or restrictions. I know in uh, Rhode Island yesterday, they sent out a text alert to everybody. Hey, for the next couple of weeks, uh, try to stay as close to home as you possibly can. How does the administration feel about these new restrictions in various places all across the country? Because it looks as if right now, um, you know, there's something like 41 states that it's spiking it. Yeah, and we're at a different place today. Look, we locked down the country once, and it's because it was a novel virus that came in that we did not have therapeutics for, uh, that we did not know how to handle because we didn't have testing. It was novel. No one had ever seen COVID-19. We know how to handle it now. Americans, we're responsible. We know how to wash our hands and socially distance and wear a mask and make wise decisions. But governors should trust their people to make the right decisions. This president's about freedom. He's not about shutting down businesses. He's not about locking down states. Uh, and he's certainly not about locking down places of religious worship, which the Supreme Court said uh, it was unconstitutional what Governor Cuomo was doing there in New York, because yes, we have a pandemic, but we also have a United States Constitution and those freedoms matter even amid a pandemic. Kaylee, I'm reading an article, New York Times reporting on Joe Manchin, and they were interviewing him in his office and he was working on the uh, coronavirus stimulus package. He thinks 1.2 trillion is acceptable, which is half of what his party was pushing, but he is more of a moderate and wants to work with Republicans. Brian interviewed a lady who owns a restaurant earlier on our show. She said that she needs to lay off some employees, but she can't do it this close to Christmas. And she said a, a pregnant woman was in her office crying, saying, please don't lay me off. And she's refusing to do that, but they're not making any money because she owns a restaurant. People need help. What's the latest? Yeah, what's the latest is Joe Manchin needs to go have a discussion with Nancy Pelosi, who has been fundamentally unserious in a way that's irresponsible and, quite frankly, disgusting, that she resumes the House, puts the House back in session. And what are the bills she puts forward uh, about legalizing marijuana, about going after Tiger King and, and, and regulating uh, the, the um, use of tigers instead of focusing on the American people and the relief that's needed? Her stimulus bill was chock full of, guess what, mail-in voters voting regulations to try to secure Democrat power in the halls of Congress. While this president said, Nancy Pelosi, you won't negotiate with right. me. Well, guess what? I'll do protections from evictions. I'll do more funding uh, for, for unemployment insurance via executive order. He's been serious while Nancy Pelosi has been derelicting in her duty. And she does not deserve to be speaker ever again. Well, she almost lost it this time. Uh, they were within striking distance. So I got to tell you, Mitch McConnell is, is putting the heat up on uh, Nancy Pelosi. Says there's no reason for them not to have a relief uh, package. And and Joe Manchin, Senator Warner, and Dick Durbin are working uh, with Murkowski, Romney, Cassidy, and Collins to try to get something done. They're trying to get from bottom up leadership to actually act. Will the president pick up the phone and get them to act? Will he put the pressure on like he always does behind the podium? He's continually put the pressure on. And I can tell you, um, having had daily discussions with Chief of Staff Mark Meadows, the Secretary of the Treasury, uh, Steve Mnuchin, they've consistently moved towards Nancy Pelosi on behalf of the president as his surrogate going to the Hill. Um, and Nancy Pelosi has been laughable. You, she says she wants this amount of funding to open schools. Um, and, and we give that. We give more than that. Uh, and she rejects it. She's been unserious. So we'll continue to move towards the left. But that bipartisan group, again, needs to put pressure on the radical AOCs of the world and Ilhan Omars that control Nancy Pelosi like a marionette puppet. I thought it was kind of the president to reach out to Joe Biden on Twitter and say, look, I, I wish you the best. I hope you get well soon. But then some of the media were criticizing him, questioning whether or not he was sincere. 
What was your reaction or what was the president's reaction? No, the president was absolutely being sincere. Um, you know, we're one country. Uh, we all have our parties. But at the end of the day, we're all Americans. That's what this president recognizes. Yeah, that's what this president understands. But leave it to the media to continually take him out of context. I uh, think the worst of him. It's just what they do. And we're used to that here in the Trump administration. All right. Kaylee, thank you very much for joining us from the North Lawn on this first day of December. Thanks, Steve. All, all right. right. All right. All right. So that was the news from Kaylee. Uh, and that was pretty thorough and, um, she made some really good points, right? So there you go. You listen to the president, right? Because she's also his voice and it tells you a lot more than what you think is going on is going on. And, um, but I'm going to take you somewhere else right now. I'm going to take you a little bit behind. Remember people that get shafted, right? Are the ones that make a difference now. <laughs> um, uh, how do I put this? Now, I, I am, um, it's not easy to get me lost for words, is it? So what do we mean by getting shafted? So people that get put in boxes because they think they're doing something good, but it turns out it's not. People serve their countries in different capacities. Now, people like me don't exist. And I'm starting to see that people like me that don't exist are uh, coming to the forefront, which is great because we need that. But there are also other people that you have seen in the news recently, in the past couple of years, and they were serving their country too. Smart people, very smart people, professors, very rich people, very smart people that even though they were smart, they still got shafted. So I'm going to introduce you to someone because Zero Hedge put out an article and, you know, if ever the world is on fire, it's people like this we should trust. And you're going to say, what? Just listen to words. This is uh, an interview. Um, from, oh, recently, uh, November 2020. I'll take you further and back in time, but I think that would be a good one. And I want you to listen to what this person says, okay? Just listen. Let's put that on. And the deal's going to go down, and at the 11th hour, suddenly, word from on high is... No, no, no. The deal's going to go down, and then the curtain comes over for me. And I don't know whether the deal happens or not. I'm not, and I wasn't even, I okay. was, I was deep background pulling strings. I, I'm, my name is not something Hillary Clinton would have ever heard. Sure. I'm just deep background pulling strings, but it's just the nature of the way this reality was structured in this case that I'm not there to understand. But two or three days later, the men in black are back in my life and we're talking and I'm all excited. Did it happen? Did it, you know? <laughs> And they said they never told me if it happened or not. They didn't. I. They didn't tell me if Hillary if showed up and accepted or not. They told me, Patrick, this mission has been scrubbed from the highest level. You need to forget every second of this, and we mean it. You need to forget every second of this happened. And I said, Why is that? And they said, Look, Hillary is going to be president, and nothing. And this was this was Q1 2016. Uh, they said Hillary's going to be president and nothing's going to stop that. Yeah. And uh, it's, we've realized that it's been decided that 
look, Hillary, what moment she's president, the day she's president, she's going to send her people over to the FBI and they're going to ask who was part of investigating Hillary Clinton. And anyone who was, we're all going to be destroyed. This includes you too, Patrick. So it has been decided from the highest levels. This whole mission is getting scrubbed. And we mean it. You got to forget every second of this. You understand us? Said, yes, sir. I went back to my life, but that was, so I'll stop there. Any questions so far? Well, so your, your theory um, to get to that point was that this entire operation was designed to have dirt on Hillary. Well, no, no. Well, that's, that comes next. Okay. That comes next. Okay. So after a couple of weeks, touch and I said, this isn't sitting right with me. And it's normally they who just appear, but this one, uh, they, I have a way to reach the man in black when I need to. And they, we met and I let them know that this wasn't sitting completely correctly with me. And over a long meeting, eventually the hair was let down and there were, there's actually four different federal types of people involved in this of three different varieties. Let's say three different camouflage patterns. Mm -hmm. And, I'm, what I'm going to say is you can say it is a very fair summary of their collective belief. And their collective belief was as follows. Uh, uh, at this point, Patrick, President Obama has his people across the federal bureaucracy and especially the Department of Justice. The Hillary is going to be president for eight years and nothing is, can change that or nothing's going to change that. But while she's president, think of there's being a Bunsen burner at the center of the Department of Justice. You remember, Matt, in your mm -hmm. Bunsen high school chemistry? Yeah, so a Bunsen burner within the DOJ and the hand on that Bunsen burner is going to be one of Barack Obama's people. And that way, for the eight years she's president, uh, Barack Obama is going to manage Hillary Clinton. Then she's going to step down. And Michelle's going to run. And Patrick, that's the plan. S and so, so, so it was an explicit um, yeah, tool to control the agenda of the next president. I'll even tell you something that now I'm trying to limit myself in general to what I know from direct my participation. Mm -hmm. uh, but I can tell you that in the course of, so Uncle Sam and I will never be friends again. He's really frosty with me. And so I'm, I'm trying to minimize how much more damage I do to anything he, uh, he's about. So um, that was on the blaze. Uh, I wanted to introduce you to him because uh, he talks about the people that don't exist and the structures of the people that don't exist. And all of you chatting about the blue thumb, it's just a Band-Aid. But what you need to understand is that um, people that don't exist usually task people that are very smart, right? Very smart. That guy is a genius. Um, and they forced him to resign from his position, right? Not get rid of his company, but from his position uh, because of the Maria Butina scandal stuff. And it was so bizarre. Now, I want you to see how he handled himself with um, Fredo. His, his ability to handle the conversation um, with Fredo was a very big deal. Uh, 
he uh this is a segment from the young turks taking it where they're mocking him where he says i am part of the deep state uh they actually mocked him uh and i want you you know you don't mock smart people easily smart people are very patient and when need be uh they come out to the forefront uh because <laughs> That's the way it goes. So I wanted you guys to get yourself familiar um, with him because Zero Hedge just put out an article that he's flipping the bill for super hackers and cyber sleuths to prove that um, President Trump won the election. We already know he did as a landslide, but he realizes that you know this these people that don't exist that scrub all operations from top to bottom that handle people around the world to do their job, the actual core of the deep state, the fourth unelected branch of government, doesn't exist, right? It doesn't exist. That's basically what you need to remember. It doesn't exist. Guy that you're sure were members of the FBI asked you to do this, and you know their names. And, and I know their names. That is the now former CEO of Overstock.com, Patrick Byrne is his name, and he resigned as CEO following a strange press release that he put out, uh, claiming that he had a romantic relationship with Maria Butina. That is the uh, Russian spy who uh, failed to register as a foreign agent, and now she's spending some time in prison as a result. Now, he suggested that uh, former FBI agent Peter Strzok and former FBI Deputy Director Andrew McCabe and former FBI Director James Comey directed him to engage in this romantic relationship with Butina. Uh, this whole story is out of control, it's crazy. And the interview that he had with Cuomo was crazy. But first, let me show you or read to you the press release that Overstock put out. You know, this was his direction. This is what he wanted them to do. And this is what the press release said. Starting in 2015, I, operating under the belief that I was helping legitimate law enforcement efforts, assisted in what are now known as the Clinton investigation and the Russian investigation. In fact, I am the notorious missing chapter one of the Russian investigation. So is this what happens under Trump? Like everyone loses their mind? Well, Patrick Burns always been a little strange. I've interviewed him a couple of times. And he sounds like a rational actor, and he's actually been in charge of Overstock.com for a long time, and they've had good success. So, all right. So uh, let me just stop right there. So I want you to pay attention. How you know they want to say this is ridiculous? There is no fourth unelected branch. No one would have you honeypot a honeypot. No one would help you frame President Trump. Are you kidding? We would never do that. So here they are trying to discredit him. And they have over the years, because he's quite outspoken. But very smart people are outspoken, because when they say things, they know things. And he's telling you, there are people that don't exist that run the world. Well, obviously, there's parts of them that are very rational. but. But he always has bizarre things to say. And so this story is super weird it's on many to, levels. Yeah, it's about to get weirder. More from the press release. It was my third, it was the third time in my life I helped the men in black. This was an official press release, guys, to investors. The first was when my friend Brian Williams was murdered. And the second was when I helped the MIB, meaning men in black, shape 
shake up Wall Street a decade ago. Unfortunately, this third time turned out to be less about law enforcement and more about political espionage conducted against Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump, and to a lesser degree, Marco Rubio and Ted Cruz. And then you can why would people do espionage against Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump from the government? And Marco Rubio and Ted Cruz. I don't get any of this. What I mean, what had happened was that, and this is why they shouldn't be claiming that they're investigative journalists or anything like that if they can't wrap their mind around the most important currency of politics, which is blackmail. And blackmail gives you control. I mean, you heard Barack Hussein Obama with his own words say, Well, I'd like a third term, but. I'd prefer it's a he or she with an earpiece of me in their ear. The rabbit (laughs) is the raven, and the raven is not the rabbit, and the eagle has landed. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so enough from this crazy press release. Let's go to uh, his interview with Chris Cuomo, and maybe that'll clear some things up. I don't know. The FBI wanted you to continue your association to get information. They never told you you needed to have a romantic relationship with somebody. Well, eventually, yes, they did. They told uh, no, they, you that you had to have a romantic that's relationship? What I'm getting, that's what I'm getting to, which is, uh, and it wasn't them. It's X, Y, and Z. And I'm going to tell you who, who they are. They said. So, oh, they wanted you to have a romantic relationship? Sorry, Fredo. Never heard of honeypots before? Never heard of honeypots before? Are you kidding? Really? I mean, and why not? She's pretty hot. And, and the very honorable men and women, the men in black, they said, we want to be clear this never happens in the United States. We are the good guys. Oh, we're not, we don't work like the bad guys, but we need to ask you to rekindle a romantic relationship with Maria Putina and members and of the FBI that you're sure were members of the FBI asked you to do this. And you know their names. And, and I know their names. And they said these orders are coming from the personal, this is being personally supervised by Y. And it's being per. And at the request of X, and then two months later, they said Mr. Z has added his name. So you believe that Jim Comey knew that you were being asked to do these things in the name of the United States government? (laughs) All of them knew. They all knew. They know all the operations, Cuomo. And you knew. You knew how your organization is lying. You get your marching orders. Not only knew, I was specifically told this request is coming from Jim Comey at the request of somebody who I'm not going to name. Do not assume it's the president. Do not assume it's the pre- it was the President Obama. Do not assume that. Okay. Yeah. So look, you started with the race. Yeah. So the Praetorians, right, are the gatekeepers for people like Barack Hussein Obama, uh, just uh, trying to. Uh, orchestrate things. Now, why am I playing the Turks? It's really important you see it from their perspective. I mean, they're all losers. And we know how Senk is. Uh, They're vicious. They're nasty. So it's great to see the vicious and nasty so you can break down how they cover and demonstrate how little they know. Uh, Absolutely zero, actually. (laughs) But they're trying. Raven and da 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 that was crazier. <laughs> it was like X, Y, and Z. And why why are you doing that? He's like, oh, the men in black. But we all know it's the FBI. So why do you keep calling? No, the men in black are people that don't exist. He doesn't get it. Them the men in black. And then you say X, Y, and Z, but you already said it was Stork and and I think McCabe and, and Comey. 
So why do you keep calling them X, Y, and Z? This dude is super weird. Mental illness is real. Whoa, look How who's do you talking. Say that woman's name? Whoa. Maria, what? This chick is gonna sit there and freaking degrade a genius that understands blockchain like she understands what toilet paper is used for, like seriously. I've heard, I've heard Butina. I've been watching that uh, Netflix docu-series, uh, The Family, mm -hmm. which everyone needs to watch. It's incredible. And no, we don't watch movies because when you make movies, we know it's a lie. And Maria Butina, why not hit that? Right, guys? I mean, to all my men out there, if you were like obliged to do that, take one for the team for your country because you thought you were helping your country. Because other times that you've interacted with these people that don't exist, those that he named or in the front there's other people behind that you know if they tell you if they've done good or they were doing something good and you believe that it was good kind of like i said i always thought what we were doing was always for the better of the nation until you see one thing and you're like wait a minute and um this is where you see um and this man's wait a minute moment uh where he speaks up and so they refer to her as Butina, and I like saying it that way. No, no, I was just asking because if he was dating her, then he would know how to say her name, right? Yeah. So I just wanted to make sure. I, yeah. yeah we're la I mean, we laugh and I'm joking, but I'm like, mental illness is real. Like this man, but this is, this is what I, I was going to say. This is a woman that says acts, right? This is why I'm going to acts, yet she's calling a genius who, like I said, understands the purposes of blockchain is an extraordinaire in mathematics oh my gosh okay let's see let's hear what she has to ask and i'll and i'll end donald trump looks like that every day and there are people who are like this is my leader mm -hmm. but we are laughing at the man the overstock man this man said patrick Buse, hold my beer and look at him, right? Yeah. He's doing all this unhinged stuff because oh mental gosh. illness is real, and we keep we, we yeah. keep downplaying it. Well, IQ well, lower than eighty for sure on this woman. So I, I thought I would introduce you to him because um, there was an article I want to share this with you. I actually retweeted it, so I can pull it up pretty easy. Here we go. Um, where is it? And people are recognizing that he is um, a pretty uh, stellar patriot. Hold on, let's um, share the other screen because obviously it opened up another screen. So here's Zero Hedge. Former Overstock CEO paying a team of hackers and cyber sleuths to prove Trump won the election. I funded a team of hackers and cyber sleuths, other people with odd skills. The 57-year-old multimillionaire also appeared on several podcasts, including a November 23rd appearance, which he said, I'm a free agent, I'm self-funded, and I'm funding this army of various odd people. It's really gonna make a great movie someday. I'll be the one sending him letters and emails saying, don't make a movie, dude. You know the drill, if they make a movie, it's the fake story. Uh, <laughs> but uh, he's, a, he's a pretty stellar guy. Burns been communicating with the former Trump attorney, Sidney Powell, for weeks who last week filed two lawsuits in Michigan and Georgia alleging massive schemes to rig the election for Joe Biden. Uh, why am I introducing you to him? Because there's a lot of people like Patrick right now that are all over this because they're tired of it. There's so many people that have been shafted completely by, this, by these people that don't exist. 
And that's what's important. People that don't exist do the most damage, do the most damage. And sometimes they don't even know they're doing the damage, right? Because they believe that they're doing something great and that they're helping this and helping that. This is the big big, big lie that we've made, that we understand there's very smart people that are part of these groups of people that don't exist, that have shaped the world like you have no idea. You have, I mean, Patrick Byrne was part of the whole restructure over a decade ago at Wall Street. You would have never known. What did we see? We saw the Occupy Wall Street with the unions freaking paying for it. Your union dollars paying for that so they can sucker you out of money. That's basically what happened. So we see that there are people coming out of nowhere, flanking the crap out of these people that don't exist. And this is where you know you're super winning. Now, a lot of people are like, oh, you said this week's this week was going to be bananas. Well, here's where the bananas started, if you remember correctly, because everyone panicked and everyone's throwing rumors. And there's a lot of rumors, even in regards to the investigations. I don't want to kill hope. I'm a person that doesn't like to kill hope. So when people ask me, confirm this, confirm that, um, and I stay away from it, it's because you have a half truth. And that's dangerous. It's like a person with no knowledge is safer and less dangerous than a person with half-baked knowledge. See, having a half-truth is always the best lie. And that's a problem. And I see a lot of you in my chat groups even that say it and, you know, you ask me, hey, can you confirm this? Can I won't because I don't want to take away what you have and I won't dismiss it. If I dismiss it right out, I'm just going to tell you it's BS. But if there's half truth, I'll leave it. So this was announced yesterday and everyone lost their shit okay, about Barr saying that there was no evidence of widespread voter fraud. Take a listen to the report on Fox. On the stimulus fight, we just heard from Mitch McConnell saying they're making progress. Well, now Speaker Pelosi says she spoke with Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin saying she hopes the White House will support an upcoming spending bill. She also made clear any relief bill must ensure vaccinations are free, that vaccinations are free and accessible to everyone. For his part now, Mnuchin saying he's reviewing both Pelosi and Schumer's proposal, as well as the bipartisan omnibus one. Meanwhile, President Trump continues to pound the table on alleged voter fraud. But just moments ago, Trump's attorney general telling the AP the Justice Department has no evidence of widespread voter fraud, certainly not enough to change the outcome of the 2020 presidential election. Join me now. So that was the um, announcement. Now, I'm going to take you. Let me pull it up because I kind of had this idea. On the, you guys know that I don't prepare for my show, right? Uh, I just do the news as they come in. Um I have an article that I wrote a very, very long time ago. Let me pull it up. Okay. So let me share the page for those of you watching so you can see. There are a few things that I've written about. William Barr. I'm trying to see if the other one... Is there this one I haven't tidied up? This is from 2018. Um, but a lot of people are now starting to find out that um, Bill Barr was CIA. I've told you he was, he was, he, oh, 
I almost said that and I'm not, but he was the right hand man for Bush senior and did all the dirty work for him. And again, I have hope and redemption, which is exactly what we're seeing. Uh, so here you can see, um, I think I have to fix this one because remember my server was purged. So I tell you here, Barr graduated college, rolled right into working for the CIA. He was assigned to Bush 41. He was his handler since 1976. Pay attention to the words I use because I tell you what you need to know so you understand where everything is. This is why I believe in redemption, okay? And what was bananas that you guys missed is that he appointed a special counsel, right? Nobody knew there was a special counsel, right? Nobody knew there was a special counsel. Um, I, it's on Tori says, hold on, let me, I didn't share the screen, did I? I apologize, I'm a bit flustered. Okay, so this is uh, an article that I have not um, edited from recovery, but I clearly say it, it's from 2018, where I make it clear he was assigned to Bush 41. He was his handler since 1976. So I have some other interesting articles. William Barr was a handler of Bush 41 and his right-hand man like Valerie Jarrett and Barack Hussein Obama. Take that as you wish. Um, he actually wrote a great legal theory called the Thornburg Doctrine. Um, and so and remember, Thornburg began his career with blood on his hands. So this is a very interesting read. Um, I highly suggest people um, read this so you can get to understand uh, William Barr intimately and understand who he is. Um, uh, you know, there is more to William Barr. Do you know how many William Barr types exist? And again, my job isn't just to give you the news of today, but uh, be able to um, educate you for the news of tomorrow because when you're armed with knowledge you're able to understand a lot more i did a couple pieces on bar uh you know i did the um explanation of mina mina i um put down together how john durham was not appointed by ag bar which is true right there's two john durhams but what we do know is is that yesterday everyone found out that on the 19th of october we got a new special counsel. Now, that special counsel will come into play if we find ourselves, uh, you know, in a position um, to to having an illegitimate, we're inaugurating him anyway, president not. Um, it'll be really odd because that is going to promote um, this division within our nation. I know a lot of people are asking for the link. If you just go to torysays.com, uh, I've salvaged most of my article because uh, unlike many understand, dead man switches tell more tales and mine are buried within articles. So I've been trying to sequester them because they've just been deleting things, kind of like they deleted Patrick Berge yesterday. So here's a fun story. So I was talking about Patrick Berge and we're going to be, you know, meeting up uh, today uh, to talk. And he was telling me what he was doing. And um, he said, oh, you know, I uploaded my, um, my affidavit and my complaint and everything. Um, and I'm going to drop it off tomorrow to the DOJ. 
Um, so we were discussing those intricacies and he said, oh yeah, I uploaded it to my site. And I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. You put it to your site, they're going to delete your SQL file. He said, no, 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 no. Mine is ironclad. I mean, for private citizen, right? Um, ways. It's pretty good. I've got some, you know, scripts in there and whatnot. I was like, dude, don't understand. So as we're talking and he just uploaded it, guess what happened? Yeah, that's right. I told you so, Patrick. Um, and I got to, um, you know, <laughs> tell him so that I was right. Um, so I know that he was battling with it and he's like, oh, maybe it's traffic. I was like, stop, you build yours so you can carry um, video. So he's, he's, he's very salty about that. And he has every right to, like I said, when I've been watching Patrick Berge, I know why he's salty. And like I said, me and him butt heads, but, you know, when I'm with him, I feel urged to just hug him because he needs that. Um, he was treated very unfairly. Again, these people will stop at nothing to destroy you. And when they can't eliminate you because there's too much paper trail, what they do is that they destroy you morally. They'll destroy every facet of your life. And to think something he created people have made trillions of dollars for, right? You'd be salty AF, wouldn't you? I mean, I would. Imagine if you invented that sliced bread and everyone was making money but you and they put you in the poorhouse. Think of it that way. Even though what he created was a weapon that is now being used against the people of the United States, which makes him even more pissed off. So, uh, you know, I make him right uh, on being angry and not having, um, I would say, the temperament uh, for dilly dallying, um, like I said, I mean, you you like your friends with their positives and their negatives, right? And he's um, he's pretty he's a pretty stellar guy. I mean, what you see is what you get. And me and him, yeah, we butt heads a lot. So now I'm going to take you talking about Durham and special counsels to a nice, I would say, prediction by Lou Dobbs who. I really like. Take a listen to what he says. From Attorney General Barr today, he, he appointed U.S. Attorney John Durham to the position of special counsel in order that he would continue his investigation into the origins of Obamagate. Uh, but apparently he did this earlier. He's just now announcing it. And furthermore, he's suggesting that he is near the uh, Durham investigation down to Crossfire Hurricane only. Uh, the Durham investigation can now proceed uh, no matter who is in the White House. Uh, it didn't matter before, did it? The appointment took place on October 19th, but was only announced in a letter today to top Republicans and Democrats, of course, on the House and Senate Judiciary Committees. Durham's investigation started some 568 days ago. It appears it is not over. But I will wager this, it will amount to nothing because any Department of Justice, any special prosecutor or counsel now who can go this long without unearthing anything of importance to the American people to be presented at least in a report, if not an indictment, is an act of craven uh, insincerity. That's as nicely as I can put it. Oh, don't we just love him? And he's right. I mean, if he hasn't come up with something right now, 
how is he going to come up with something right later? <laughs> that's the, that's the premise of his statement. And he's right. But you know, there's a lot of um, people that don't exist working really, really hard. And um, that's what's important. Now, I want you guys to listen to this and I want you, I'm not going to comment except I want you to listen to the words. And when I say this, I want you to pay attention to who's saying it and what they are saying because it's pretty insane. And when I heard it, I was like, damn, maybe you should put a belt on. Okay. That's all I'm going to say. We do have breaking developments out of the deep state investigation tonight. The Attorney General Bill Barr revealed today that he has appointed John Durham special counsel to investigate the origins of the Russia hoax, which will allow the investigation to continue. Joining us now with Reaction, author of the new book, Firebrand, Florida Congressman Matt Gates, Fox News legal analyst Greg Jarrett. Good to see you both. Greg, you wrote two number one bestsellers on this. Uh, from my perspective, John Durham has had more than enough information uh, about Russian disinformation dossier, uh, premeditated fraud on a FISA court, and he's had forever to do it. Why hasn't he gotten the job done? Well, according to the attorney general, he needs more time. COVID uh, interfered with the legal process. But this was a shrewd and smart move by Bill Barr. He's essentially made John Durham uh, Elliot Ness. He's untouchable, giving him elevated status as special counsel. Remember, uh, the AG is on when a new administration comes in, and so are the 93 U.S. attorneys, and Durham is one of those. But now he can continue his investigation until its conclusion unimpeded. You know, it's difficult for a new president to fire a special counsel or the attorney general. Remember when Trump just talked about firing <clears throat> uh, Bob Mueller, Democrats in the media accused him of obstruction of justice. But the second important thing is uh, Durham, in addition to issuing indictments, uh, can now write a report to provide a full accounting of the corrupt acts, the use of power by people like James Comey, Andrew McCabe, Peter Strzok, and others. I would include Rod Rosenstein, maybe even Sally Yates in that. Yates is now effectively off the table, I think, as the next attorney general in a Biden mm -hmm. administration, assuming the Electoral College chooses him. You know, there's a fake news CNN story tonight that the, has been debunked by a DOJ official uh, about the Trump administration official and money for pardons. They said, nah, no government official was or is uh, currently a subject of any target of any investigation to, to disclose. Uh, Matt Gates, uh, I read the New York Times op-ed by Andrew Weissman. Three years, he was Robert Mueller's pit bull. Didn't get the result he wanted. Uh, now he's saying that if Biden becomes president as an AG, he wants Trump elect, uh, investigated in perpetuity. Uh, you had said it first, and I agree with you. Uh, if, if this is the threat that they're going to make to a, a guy leaving office, perhaps one day, my question is, why wouldn't he just pardon himself and his family on the way out the door? Because I think he would be right to do so because these people are nuts. The president should pardon himself, his family, his administration, officials, and any of his supporters who've been targeted. Look, this Department of Justice and FBI 
targeted President Trump and wanted to accuse him of crimes when he was the incoming president. What do you think that they're going to do if they think he's the outgoing president? I think the Durham announcement is really a letdown. Essentially, we're ending where they started. They started by appointing a special counsel, and we may be ending by appointing a special counsel. That'll be a letdown to a lot of Americans who've seen the DOJ become politicized. Oh, right. Did you guys see that? Now, let's see something else. Very interesting little piece of documentary um, separating fact from fiction. The story of Al Capone, Elliot Ness, and the Untouchables. Take a moment. This is interesting. Historians continue to uncover new information to help us understand the past and reshape the stories of our culture. Scarface versus the Untouchables. We've heard the stories for decades in print and on screen. Two men have teamed up to separate fact from fiction. And just when you thought there was nothing new to say, what they found surprised them. I'm going out there for myself. <laughs> but I get nowhere unless the team wins. Team. Most of us are familiar with the Untouchables story portrayed by De Niro as Capone, Costner as Ness. Box office numbers proved it was a success, but as a reflection of historic accuracy, it fell far short. Max Allen Collins is no stranger to the rules of Hollywood. He wrote the 2002 Chicago mob story, Road to Perdition, and is the author of the Dick Tracy comic strip. Why did it offend you so much, the inaccuracies of the Capone movie from 87? What irritates me is the sloppiness of the way the, the history was portrayed. I'm fine with history being tweaked and compressed and so on, but you don't throw Frank Nitti off a building when you're Elliot Ness, who was a very straight shooter. And you certainly don't change juries in the middle of a trial. To switch the juries. Your Honor, I object. The actual things that happened were of more interest and were often more bizarre. Collins is an experienced writer. A. Brad Schwartz is a historian from Princeton. They sifted through newly released federal files where they found this photos of the untouchables the authors talked to the relatives of the untouchables and re-examined evidence but let's start with the two men at the center of the story pop culture often embraces scarface as just a fun-loving charitable bootlegger who ran soup kitchens for the poor the way the soup kitchen was maintained was by capone sending his enforcers around to get free food from grocers so the idea that there was this was out of his largesse is, is grossly exaggerated. I think what made Capone famous and infamous was a really savvy notion of, of how to do PR and a very basic notion of wanting to be liked. This is one of the things that just kind of jumped out at us. In the early days, he may have indeed been viewed as just a fun-loving bootlegger, but then... February 14, 1929, the Valentine's Day Massacre, as depicted in this 1967 film. Seven men connected to Chicago's Northside gang were gunned down in a garage on 2122 North Park Street. 
Schwartz visited the brick wall from that garage, which was reassembled for the Mob Museum in Las Vegas. You can still see the bullet marks. For many years, it was in the uh, men's room of a Roaring Twenties themed nightclub is the, where the urinals were. Uh, but fortunately, now it's in a, in a protected museum environment. So I held the bullets uh, that were taken out of the men in my hands. And I also went to the sheriff's department that confiscated um, the, the guns that we know were used in the crime. And I held them. And it's remarkable how that connects you to these sorts of events that have become legendary. Schwartz visited the Department of Alcohol, Tobacco and Firearms to shoot one. But when you're actually holding the gun that was, that was used or when you're actually seeing the wall, uh, it takes you right back to that moment. The Nez Capone battle spawned innovations in crime fighting, like wiretapping. Northwestern and the University of Chicago were at the forefront of the city's virtual crime fighting lab. And while tax evasion is what brought Capone down, Nez's untouchables set the stage for his downfall. A series of raids at breweries cut off funds for Capone when he needed them the most. Ness and his untouchables paraded all of the trucks that they had confiscated, the beer trucks from Al Capone, past Capone's headquarters in the Lexington Hotel. And Ness, in one of the only times they ever had direct contact, calls Capone up and says, look out your window at 11 a.m. and you'll see something interesting. And then Capone flies off the handle as he was prone to do and threatens to have us killed. I was sure, I would have guaranteed you that that was fictitious because people had denied that it could have happened, that Ness was not um, having anything to do with Al Capone. Uh, so why would that be true? But we were able to find numerous sources. All of the, the remarkable things, the wiretaps, the parade of trucks, uh, you know, the almost getting knifed when he was undercover in a saloon in Chicago Heights. It all happened. So, man, are you afraid to come out from behind your men? Are you afraid to stand up for yourself? They met frequently in fiction, but historians doubted they ever met in real life. This photo proves them wrong. Ness escorted Capone to Dearborn Station and put him on the train to send him to, uh, to prison in Atlanta. This notion that they never met, which some historians have put out there, that's false. It seemed to me that Capone had really bad legal advice and legal representation. Capone had almost suspiciously bad legal advice. There's really good evidence that the federal people basically, shall we say, colluded with people in the mob to put Capone away and make it seem like crime was no longer a problem in Chicago. Weren't they concerned that somebody would just fill that void and replace him? Yes, someone would obviously fill that void, but that someone would not be wearing a pearl uh, hat, smoking a cigar, with scars on his face, and throwing the first ball out at the baseball game. They, they wanted that kind of PR off. They wanted a different face on the city of Chicago, both the government and also the outfit itself who preferred to do their business in a more quiet way. Ness and Capone, opposite sides of the law, but both revolutionized their respective professions. The fact that this is a fundamentally American story, it's a fundamentally Chicago story, that even though so many of the buildings are gone, the St. Valentine's Day Massacre garage has been torn down, the Lexington Hotel, even though the physical reminders in many cases are gone, Capone and Ness are still baked into the architecture of this city. All right, so I hope that little history lesson... Did you lesson, know Al Capone on. and Elliot Ness actually lived on the same street? Many Chicagoans know Capone lived at 7244 Prairie. Ness's home was five miles south at 108th and Prairie in a very similar brick two-flat. 
probably don't know the name Frank Wilson, but he's the unsung hero of this case. In 1930, the tax investigator went through the books and said it added up to just about nothing. He was getting ready to file it all away, but the filing cabinet was locked. When he looked for the key, he found an unlocked cabinet in a nearby storeroom and found a ledger that seemed to document gambling profits. It contained a simple notation. Frank paid $17,500 for Al. Wilson knew he finally had his case. But Hollywood producers don't make movies about accountants, or do they? Frank Wilson's story was made into the 1949 movie The Undercover Man, starring Glenn Ford. So why did I show you this? So think, how crazy do the Democrats look? It's almost as if they're getting really shitty advice, right? Yeah, to lock them out and put cardboard. And why not use trucks from another state that, you know, are all federally regulated and we can see where they went? Why not just Xerox ballots and do it? And it's like, it's as if, right? You're watching a movie, you guys. Go watch The Untouchables. See how Ness infiltrated, even down to the lawyers. You see, while the president golfs, he knows. The mafia is a mafia. Rico is Rico. Rico Suave. We saw that video, right? Uh, in a show a while ago. Rico Suave. This is a train wreck for them. And what I'm trying to say is, it's a movie. You're watching it. And you're seeing it play out. So I would suggest, you know, if I can, find it on Amazon Prime. And I'll look while I put this uh, break uh we're going to listen to a song so we can go refill our coffees and smoke our cigarette or whatever. I want you to to, to think, if I can't find it on Prime, I'll look. Um, we should watch The Untouchables. And um, we should pay attention to what Ness did. Because that was a very important comment. Other than, oh, he should pardon himself, himself and his family. So are you throwing in the towel, Gaines? Come on. We don't need that. We got this. So today you've been introduced to people that don't exist and how they work. And you've been introduced to Ness. Ness. Remember, he infiltrated the mob. So the deal was nobody else was going to go down for drugs and, and, and alcohol peddling and all this. But they got him on tax evasion, right? <laughs> Everyone's like, no, look at all those murders. Like, hello. And it's like, yeah, we can't do that. We have to take it down the way we have to take it down, which isn't always the best. What we want is to gut the whole thing. So the appointment of Durham, right? The appointment of Durham is quite interesting. And remember, Ray, 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 Ray. He's like a doomed spy. And it's almost done. Time is done. I mean, but the question lies, you know, I'll leave you with this thought. I had mentioned how there was a Senate Intel hearing, remember? And my question was, was Kamala Harris going to be in that Senate Intel Committee hearing because she's up for VP? And why did I say this? Because Gina Haspel then went to see Mitch McConnell privately. No one talked about that. You know, Mitch McConnell that was beaten up or whatever, right? And then suddenly she misses her appointment last week and everyone's thinking, where's Gina? Interesting. I'll see you all in a bit. I don't want to 
set the world on fire I just wanna start a flame in your heart In my heart I have but one desire All ambition for worldly acclaim. I just wanna be the one you love, and with your admission, you'd feel the same. I'll have reached the goal I'm dreaming of. Believe me, I don't want to set the world on fire. Just wanna start a flame in your heart. I've lost all ambition for worldly acclaim. I just wanna be the one you love, and with your admission, you'd feel the same. I'll have reached the goal I'm dreaming of. Believe me, I don't want to set the world on fire. I just wanna start a flame in your heart. hopefully I have succeeded in starting a flame in your heart for your nation. That is the point. Setting you on fire, uh, even though the world is literally on fire. Now, tomorrow we're going to talk about global politics. Um, hopefully it'll be at the right time and I won't be somewhere else. But I did look, and apparently Amazon tells me that I can do a watch party um, because it's included with something that I, I think it's uh, uh, because I have added stars to my Amazon Prime membership. So if that's the case, man, we'll do that as a watch party on Twitch. If I can get it done, we're going to watch The Untouchables together. Um, so, and now in other news, just so you know what's coming up. Uh, there is a press conference happening at two o'clock. I'll be uh, listening to that in my ears, <laughs> where wherever I am going to be. Um, and uh, that'll be very, 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 very interesting. Um, we do have a lot of other developing news that we should talk about and kind of parse through so uh, people are not jumping to conclusions. Um, but before we do that, I want to uh, give a little bit, where is he? I want us to listen. Mm, it's super long, so I don't think I want to, oh, but it's important. Did you guys... Nothing is off the table, says Matt Gates, and and, and it's a, it's a it's a good 
thing to listen to people talk because they tell you more if you're really listening. Mm, I'll leave it at that. Just over a week from now, all state election disputes, including court challenges, recounts, must be resolved. Then the electors, as you mentioned, meet on the 14th of December. Then fast forward to January 6th, the electors' votes are actually counted by the new Congress that have just been sworn in. Okay, so we played this. Where did you hear that before a couple weeks ago? Right. Where did you hear that before a couple weeks ago? Right here on the Tory Sa Show. A couple weeks ago, I put you through the map, right, of what the Democrats expect us to do. This is what is great. Remember, they got some shitty advice because they were talking about this before coronavirus, right? They were talking about this in the spring. They had it so well mapped out that they knew what states are going to withhold electors. They're going they had it all mapped out. I told you. I told you it's December 8th, right? And then well, it should be December 12th that they're supposed to be coming together to select their electors, like what state's going to actually give a slate and which one's not, right? But since December 12th falls on a Saturday, it's going to be moved to December 14th. And then the surprise, surprise, new Congress is sworn in. And then what? Oh, they win 26 to 24. That is like we have the roadmap. I told you, go back and find the show where I talked about it and rewatch it again. Walked you through every single step weeks ago. But here they are telling you this. I introduced you to Samuel Huntington months, two months ago, right? Was it two months ago, a month ago? I don't even remember. I've lost track of time only because I keep moving locations. So I want you guys to see with your own eyes, if I have this and I am telling you this, all you need is faith that the real people that don't exist have full control because there are people that don't exist and they have interjected and it's a no, no, uh, come on. I mean, you're listening to the news. They're giving it to you as news and it's stale, isn't it? Super stale. I mean, even CNN said, you can't pull the insurrection act because it's political. That's right. But you can pull it when it's about national security. And what have we been saying about fraudulent votes? Ah, hmm. What we said about fraudulent votes is that is a national security concern. National security concern. And I want you to understand there are so many tentacles in this from so many different avenues that have just been fed up, completely fed up, that they're like, you know what? I don't care. I know um, that Millie has been working really, really hard uh, to find a way to provide immunity uh, to various whistleblowers. And <laughs> it's like, yeah. For, for, for what agency is going to give any immunity to anyone or people like me that would be throwing every single agency under the bus? Absolutely zero. <laughs> Absolutely zero. Right? Absolutely zero. So, you know, if, you know, you have to step in and take fire with full faith in humanity and the people of America, you do so. And that is exactly what we need to be doing. Um, this is where it's at. 
So, you know, what I'm telling you is I've been giving you the roadmap for years. Um, and I gave you the closer time roadmap a couple weeks ago. So again, if I had it and I walked you through it and told you what is coming, right? If you know the playbook while you're playing football and you know the other teams play, guess what? You can take them out real simple because you already know what they're doing, especially if they have bad advice, right? And they're doing things the way it is. I gave it to you. Go find that episode where we walk right through it. Remember to join the Telegram group, and I'm sure someone's going to be posting it in there too, where you see their plan. And if certain people paid for it, that's an additional crime. You know, that war nurse has been tweeting out some nice little statutes with nice little pictures. Highly suggest you pay attention. It's not gaslighting. It's actual fact. Yeah, that's a very important day, Sean. And it's important for many reasons. It has been attempted before by Democrats in 2017 when Hillary Clinton lost to Trump towards the end of the count. Congressman Maxine Waters pleaded for a senator to join her in objection to these counts. She asked, is there any United States senator who will join me in this letter of objection? Yeah, and it's interesting you bring that up, Lindsay, because for most people that they sort of say, okay, well, that's the end of the process. But what you're talking about is this act in the Constitution that lays out how electors cast their ballots and makes it clear that there's a process by which the House and the Senate can actually object to the role of the, of the electors being called and counted. And so 2017, that did happen. Yeah, exactly. It was also attempted in 2001 when Al Gore lost to George Bush and former Congressman Jesse Jackson also couldn't get a senator to sign on. Uh, no one would do it. So you had a couple scenarios there where no one, uh, no senator would join into the fight there. Yeah, it's interesting because the process is such that it requires the, a House member in the in the House of Representatives and a senator in the yeah. Senate to basically agree and come together and object. Then each of the chambers go back and debate for up to two hours each of those objections that has to be made in writing, what the problem was. The Constitution, though, is pretty mum on what happens from there, but there's a vote that occurs if those if the House member and the senator cite an irregularity in writing, and it goes from there. I mean, that's kind of the, the big thing. And in 2004, actually, Lindsay, I served as an elector from Virginia, and John Kerry had lost to George Bush, as you might remember, and congressional Democrats at the time forced a full-fledged debate in about over the, the electors in Ohio. And in that case, yes, the, the, the House did get a Senate senator, the House member did get a senator to get together, go back to the respective chambers where they ultimately both rejected the challenge. And so our next guest has actually been very vocal about this very issue. Joining us now is the congressman from Florida, friend of the show, Matt Gates. Congressman, welcome back. Good to see you. Oh, thanks for having me, and congratulations on all the success of the show. Well, I appreciate it. I think you were one of the early loyal guests that came on and, and helped put us on the map as a show, so I appreciate your early and continued support. Um, Congressman, uh, clearly right now, I mean, just being objectively, uh, Joe Biden is is on a path to, to get the requisite number of 270 electoral votes. Newsmax has still not called this race. We're waiting for the president to exhaust his challenges in the states. But I just want to be clear that, I mean, if you look at it objectively, you can say that the, the number of states that have certified the, their electors 
uh, favors Joe Biden getting 270. But you have been quoted in this story that I saw that I think was fascinating uh, in Politico that says how Trump's Hill allies could take one last shot to overturn the election. Nothing is off the table, said Congressman Matt Gaetz. Um, I think this is fascinating. Um, walk me through what you're thinking, what the strategy is and and how real this is. Uh, just today, I've talked to Republicans in the House of Representatives, and I've also talked to Republicans in the United States Senate. And there is an interest in looking into these irregularities and presenting them to force a debate in the Congress about whether or not to certify these or accept, I should say, these states' electors. Every state's electors are individually subject to objection, as you correctly pointed out to top off the show. And if we don't see, I think, some explanation for why in places there is not a match with the number of people who voted and the people who are on the voter rolls, if we see these voter registration anomalies continue, I think it would be worthy of a debate. So if it were to be the case that members of the House and a member of the Senate were to uh, offer that objection, it would require a two-hour debate about that state's process and about the validity of the electors that they have sent. And I think the nation would survive that, Sean. I think somehow the union would hold if we took the opportunity to isolate the irregularities in Georgia, in Pennsylvania, Michigan and Wisconsin in particular, and to lay that bare before the nation so that at a It doesn't matter how much we lay before the nation. They don't give a shit. Okay, that is fact. So that's what I wanted you to hear. The the statements made. There are little tricks. There are where we can pull the rug right from under them. And what I am observing, right, is that there are a lot of people that want to keep it above board and throw the punches, you know, while the real work is happening under. Right. And it frustrates me because I'm just like, damn. There are so many people out here covering for them. So many people covering for them. It's ridiculous. But it's okay. In the belly of the beast is where you make the most, right? Um, I always remember the story where he was swallowed up by the whale and was hanging out in the stomach of the whale and, you know, came out unscathed. <laughs> I always thought to myself, damn, I would be tugging on every part of the tongue. I would be, you know, gutting out with whatever I had in that belly so it could bleed out and get, you know, peritonitis, you know, <laughs> uh, from the stomach acid. But it all, man, this is so biblical. You have no idea. And so, again, no matter how much you laid out to the legislature, he even said, oh, yeah, and then we're going to this and the people and this and the slate and this. Oh, man. Man. Like we said, in order for us, we're in the roaring 20s, literally roaring 20s. And we're seeing it with all these weird attacks on us, not just from uh, a perspective of our political perspective, right, from from our politics. You know, now all of you are going to be like, damn, when I drop that vote for my state legislator, shh, I'm going to think twice. When I picked my county commissioner, damn, what was I thinking? I didn't even look into them and do my research quickly on the internet because in the age of information, ignorance is a choice and you just, whatever. Oh, look, they smiled. <laughs> 
dude, what is it called? A Colgate smile. That's what I like to call it. I loathe people with Colgate smiles because it's behind the smile that it's like, yeah, look at me. <laughs> if you ever see me smiling with teeth, um, usually not a smile. It's showing you my fangs. So, uh, look at all the angles that they're hitting us from. They're hitting us, uh, from all angles. Now there's a video that I wanted to play, but I won't. Um, that was sent to me by an old shipmate of mine uh, on uh, Messenger. And I don't use um, Facebook Messenger much. But, um, you know, telling me, damn, you were right about, you know, the cure. You were right. And I was like, yeah, well, I did do that internship at the CDC. So, you know, I made sure I was everywhere I needed to be to have the tools that we're going to be needed at some point. And that's what every good soldier per se does. They arm themselves with the tools that they will need to fight the war. You don't go into a war with riddled with bullets with no Kevlar vests, right? You go to war with the same type of weapons and sometimes way better ones too. That CDC meeting over who will get the COVID-19 vaccine first and when. Blake Berman is at the White House for us. Blake, what's the latest? Yeah, uh, Hi there, Jerry. This is an advisory group that helps out the CDC, ACIP. They are the Advisory Committee for Immunization Practices. After a lengthy discussion a little while ago, they have voted to, to, to um, recommend that frontline healthcare workers be the first ones to eventually get a COVID-19 vaccine when that comes down the line, potentially here in the upcoming weeks. Here's the recommendation, quote, when a COVID-19 vaccine is authorized by FDA and recommended by ACIP, vaccination in the initial phase of the COVID-19 vaccination program should be offered to both one, healthcare personnel, and two, residents of long-term care facilities. When you talk about healthcare workers, for example, that list includes those who work at those long-term healthcare facilities, along with those in hospitals, outpatient facilities, home healthcare, in pharmacies, EMS workers, and public health officials. Right now, Jerry, there are roughly 21 million adults in the U.S. who are healthcare professionals. So that's about 8%. Could you imagine, I'm just saying, let's just pretend now, this is totally hypothetical. If you wanted to eliminate a population's ability to respond, you know, to something, for example, say you had a hundred soldiers protecting a hundred people and you made, you said, oh, we just slaughtered this cow and the only people that are going to eat this cow are the hundred soldiers, but you were evil. So you made sure that cow got all the soldiers sick. So once all the soldiers got sick, the hundred people they were protecting were sitting ducks. This is just a hypothetical situation. So you can see how the CDC decides where everything goes percent of the adult population. As for those in nursing homes, it's about 1.3 million individuals uh, out of 1.7 million beds available. Add it all up, you're talking about 22, 23 million individuals that this advisory committee just recommended be the first ones to get those vaccines. One thing to keep in mind, though, this is an advisory group for the CDC. This is their recommendation, what they think should happen. At the end of the day, when there's a vaccine and that gets distributed out to the states, it will be the governors who will eventually have the final say uh, within their states as to where a vaccine may or may not initially go.
And Blake, just just quickly, um, there, as you say, 22, 23 million people in that first uh, that first order of priority. Um, I think the the companies that are making these vaccines have said maybe they might have 20, 30 million doses available yeah. quickly. Any sense of how quickly, once they're approved, they're going to be able to get these vaccines to those people who, uh, who, who, have, who have been identified as priority? Well, everything that we've heard, Jerry, from Operation Warp Speed is when there is an approval from the FDA, it should be out the door within 24, maybe 36 hours. We know the FDA is going to be taking up Pfizer on December 10th, nine days from now, Moderna a week after that. So it is certainly possible here that you're talking about the first doses of vaccination at some point uh, in the middle of this month. Jerry? Blake Berman, thank you very much indeed. Yep. So I guess a lot of the healthcare workers can pull the Jehovah Witness card and those of you that are Christian can pull that card too. I'm going to show you a very critical component that um, is part of this um, approved per se, well, all of them have it, um, medicine. So hopefully my um, healthcare workers have their own people where they can say they took it. I just want you to look up this on your own time. Find out what that means. Remember, I worked under the leader in cloning, which by the way, I'm going to have on my show. Okay. By the way, I'm going to have him on my show to announce his new research. I just want you don't, don't just it's not the simple thing of what it is, it's what it's for. Remember, my report at the CDC in 2009 um, that I had put out prior to the flu season was the fact that we were using porcine cells, which meant that we were putting what? If I was Muslim, I'd be pissed. Because now I got pig DNA. I want you guys to pay attention to it. I want you to educate yourself with it. And I want you to see how a great strategy to take control works, right? It works because, again, if you slaughter the sick cow and you feed it to all the soldiers, then you have 100 people that they were guarding sitting in the back like ducks, sitting ducks. That's basically it. Now, here is Chris putting out a report on how President Trump was right. I mean, let's be honest, guys. When has the president ever tweeted something out and he was wrong? Just think, when has he ever done that? The majority of the national press is the enemy of we the people. We'll present more evidence that proves that in tonight's preamble. The founders of this nation knew that a free and fair press was a vital check against abusive government. A good and well-trained journalist will check his or her personal biases at the door and report facts about any given story. Today's press, corrupted by liberals in corporate America and the even more corrupt higher education system, have taken down these barriers of fairness. Instead, so-called reporters have been molded to be activists. They abuse the public trust to create what they are told is a better world by denigrating conservatives and Republicans and in turn promoting socialist Democrats and their often manufactured issues. For conservatives, many stories are created or artificially cast in the worst light possible. For socialist Democrats, negative stories are glossed over or ignored altogether. Now we've seen evidence of this on TV screens for years. Every day, most media organizations have editorial meetings. We have one daily on the Chris Alcedo Show. This is a meeting that charts the course 
today's news coverage. Allegedly, for the last couple of months, a real journalist, James O'Keefe from Project Veritas, has been listening in on CNN's daily editorial meetings run by Jeff Zucker, a well-known liberal extremist. For years, Zucker has used the so-called news divisions at MSNBS and CNN to advance his own destructive politics. Today, Mr. O'Keefe let CNN know that Project Veritas investigated them, the very kind of investigation CNN refuses to do on socialist Democrats. This is James O'Keefe. Uh, we've been listening to your CNN calls for basically two months, uh, recording everything. Um, just wanted to ask you some questions if you have a minute. Um, do you still feel you're the most trusted name in news? Because I have to say, from what I've been hearing on these phone calls, I don't know about that. I mean, we got a lot of recordings that indicate you're not really that uh, independent of a, of a journalist. Okay. Um, thank you for uh, thank you for uh, your comments. Um, so, everybody, in light of that, I think what we'll do is we'll we'll set up a, a, a new system, and we'll uh, we'll be back with you. We'll do the rest of the call uh, a little bit later. We're going to release okay. those recordings today at 7 o'clock. So stay tuned. Mm -hmm. It's going to be fun. Thanks, everybody. Have a good day. Yeah, you too. <laughs> yeah. Having a good day. Yeah. Uh, we will, of course, bring you the lowlights from CNN's election editorial meetings tomorrow. I suspect we will have it confirmed that CNN is a liberal opinion channel, tailoring their coverage to protect the malfeasance perpetrated by socialist Democrats while they simultaneously invent controversy for the GOP. What we won't hear is news. Case in point, CNN has been one of the media outlets that has come very close to holding communist China blameless for over 275,000 American deaths, allegedly from the China virus. Even in the face of their fellow countrymen dying, the liberal opinion network of CNN, just like the Socialist Democrat Party writ large, protected China and their lies in an effort to lash out an American president they hate. Until yesterday. We have some breaking news for you in our world lead. CNN has obtained leaked documents from inside China, documents that reveal the missteps and the chaos of the Chinese government's early response to the coronavirus pandemic. The documents are from Hubei province, home to the city of Wuhan, where the pandemic is thought to have started. They show authorities released misleading public data on the number of deaths and the number of cases. They took, on average, three weeks to diagnose a new case and much more. Uh, we've known and reported that China lied months ago. Now, I'm a big fan of waiting for all the information before going to air with a big story. But one of two things happened with CNN's China virus coverage, which they actually started covering yesterday. CNN is either staffed with some of the worst reporters in American history, or they were instructed to ignore the story until after the election. Don Jr. thinks the reason for the 10-month lag time and reporting was because CNN really sucks at their job. He tweeted, quote, CNN finally realizes China lied 10 months later. The mockery continued, courtesy of Mike Hahn, director of social media for the Trump campaign. He tweeted, exclusive China lies, CNN shocked. And Steve Krakauer, a former CNN employee, thinks CNN sacrificed their news credibility to slant the election, writing, quote, the kind of story that gets published on November 30th, but not on October 30th. During Barack Obama's occupation of the Oval Office, trust in government plummeted to record lows. That loss of trust was earned because liberals lie and sacrifice the well-being of our nation to advance their own destructive politics and policies. The loss of trust in CNN and other left-wing media agencies is a result of the same thing. No wonder Newsmax TV is ascendant in the ratings. 
You just watched Newsmax TV, America's fastest growing cable news channel now in more than 70 million homes. You can get Newsmax TV on your cable system or check your cable guide. And if your system doesn't have Newsmax, call them, tell them you want Newsmax TV because we're real news for real people. Wow. What does that tell us? Real news for real people. Actually, I have to say we have to be careful how we pick and choose uh, our news because the news are actually obsolete, right? We don't need anyone telling us anything. It's great to have reports, right? But we don't need anyone telling us anything. Who do we listen to? The office of the president, not the president-elect. The office of the president. The office of the president will tell you everything you need to know. So, closing this, I want you guys to listen to how our president has sent them scurrying and scattering like crazy with just one thing that he said, which is what? Section 230. And here is Maria putting it out. And I want you guys to listen how big tech legal protection lies in Trump's hands as he threatens to veto the bill. Oh, you mean using his executive power to take care of all these shenanigans? Because I was actually shocked that while I was super occupied, I actually went into uh, Twitter to reach out to someone and I saw that Greg Rubini was gone. He was toast. I'm like, dang, that's messed up. That is really messed up. Here we go. Take a listen to this. Welcome back. Pushing back on big tech overnight, President Trump threatened to veto a major defense bill unless it revokes Section 230 of the 1996 Communications Decency Act. The president tweeted this in part, our country can never be safe and secure if we allow 230 to stand. The provision gives social media giants broad immunity from legal liability for content posted by their users. Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey told lawmakers back in October that Section 230 is the most important law protecting speech on the Internet. It's also protecting Twitter from getting sued. Dagan McDowell, your reaction. And this is my opinion. I suspect that a broad repeal of Section 230 would actually lead to more censorship by these companies, these social media giants. We already know that they do it. It would give them incentive to censor even more speech, even more thought, even more content. But there might be a different way. This would be a heavy lift to repeal Section 230 by the Congress. But I, I want to note something that Justice Clarence Thomas seemed to suggest in October of this year, that he suggested in a writing that the Section 230 is too broadly interpreted, that it could be, the interpretation should be narrowed. And, and I'll get into this. So there was a case that the Supreme Court did not take up involving Section 230. But he said, Justice Thomas said his fellow justices were right to pass on that case, but it should, SCOTUS should welcome the chance to scale back Section 230 from the bench through a different case. So Justice Thomas suggesting that the, the interpretation about this broad legal liability is too broad. Well, the president saying it is a threat to national security. The NDAA conference is going to be meeting on Wednesday to review language. Uh, Section 230 has protected these companies, Scott. And when it was first put in the 1996 Decency Act, uh, 
these companies were not as powerful as they are today. Today, they are dominant players. They are not bulletin boards. They have taken a side. And of course, that side is against a sitting president. Yeah. I mean, Maria, totally different world. I mean, look at Facebook, billions of, of users. And, and I mean, in a world where there's a dearth of responsible journalism out there, it just is really a sad thing to look at our society and see that 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 folks uh, rely on Facebook and Twitter uh, to basically run their lives. And, and that's the issue I have, too, is I read that stuff on there. I take it into account, but I do some of my additional uh, investigative uh, processes as well. And so I think, you know, this whole issue of saying, you know, guys like Jack Dorsey, uh, guys and gals like Mark Zuckerberg and Sheryl Sandberg from Facebook, Dorsey from Twitter, can can choose and not choose what they want to post and what they want to show is a scary thing with respect to how media is communicated to everybody out there and the influences it has. Well, so Section 230 repeal is making people panic, not just on the larger scales, but the lower scales, too. Uh, people will be worried about being sued, um, you know, if they're deleted. I mean, free speech is disgusting and messy, but I prefer free speech that's disgusting and messy rather than no free speech at all. And uh, that is what is important. These are public forums. Remember, Laura Loomer has been banned off of platforms for public discourse. She is not allowed, right, to say anything, anything. So um, before we watch these little snippets, um, and before I end today's show, because I really have to get going, it's going to give me, uh, well, I'll be chatting in Telegram with you guys. Safe Russian code, right? <laughs> but uh, these platforms have been able to act the way they do because we've left them. You know, uh, a lot of people are like, well, we have free speech platforms. Well, Parler actually banned Shadowgate. Gab, Andrew Torba has it there. These are really important little things that you should watch. And it's not just about the right. The left, too, right? They should have the right to free speech. They should be able to screech and scream because that is what makes America amazing, that we accept everyone, everyone. So um, it's uh, really important for those of you that are on the various platforms, if you can drop uh, the Telegram group uh, link, uh, a lot of links uh, are dropped in there. We have some great moderators and great people in there. That, you know, I, I, I lurk. I'm always lurking everywhere. So um, when I have time to actually have, I hate just popping in, saying something and then going away. When I have time to like spend 10 minutes and chat and, you know, um, just talk, it's, um, it's, 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 it's great because we're a team. It's Team America and you're part of it uh, because this is where the actual revolution is. And my uh, article from 2015 uh, that was scrubbed that said that we are in a very civilized civil war was very on point. Uh, this is something that has been brewing for a while. And a lot of us have been, hmm, I guess I would say distracted because we're so used to someone just giving us and feeding us the information and because it is a lot of work to get the information. So in this day and age, like right now, the only person you have to listen to is the president, his office. Listen to Kaylee. Listen to what he tells you and you'll be fine. Uh, you know, obviously, if you're on the social media platforms, you can see this type of amazing work, which is great. I mean, should have thought of that before. You don't have to hack things. 
I mean, I sat in on a governor's call. Why? Because they're patriots that are governors or governor assistants or whatever. And that'll give you the access to get in there. I mean, if it's a, what are they going to say? What are they, they're going to ask you, hey, who gave it to you? You don't have to tell. As a journalist, you could say, I'm protecting my source. And hey, here's CNN. Legal experts say this may be a felony. We've referred it to law enforcement. Um, well, you got to say what was what the issue was. So are you going to try to claim that an email was intercepted? I don't think so. Are you going to say that they hacked the telephone conference line? I don't think so. And if their source gave them access to it, phone number and pin, tough noogies. You do that all the time just sucks when the shoe's on the other foot, right? And like I said, uh, the guy that has been sitting in on all these um, Zoom calls um, and that gal and that other guy and that other gal, you know, it's been a long time and a long process. Infiltration is key. And you're seeing how it is so, like this web of this fourth unelected branch of government is so big that I urge you to stand on the moon and look down. And then you see it. It makes sense. Because when you're in the thick of it, you're just like, damn, <laughs> it's everywhere. It's everywhere. What do I do? It's infiltrated every portion of my life, every aspect of my government from foreign and domestic, from state, city, county to federal, it's everywhere. This plague is everywhere. And if you visualize it as sludge right from the top, you can see that the sludge is way less than what's not sludged because we are many and they are few. And that gives you a uh, better understanding of what's going on. So I want to see, uh, this is the morning call. I want to see leaked audio. Here's some audio that he plays. I want you guys to listen to it. It's pretty Off good. Interest groups. It's pretty good. It's kind of like the things that, uh, you know, uh, Millie Weaver was putting up on the site. And I'll, I'll tell you what, a lot of people were interested in the footage way late. The, the important people, the people that are fighting for this nation that you never hear about. Because these people that don't exist, certain agencies that don't exist. And if you look, Millie Weaver introduced you to an agency that you think was quashed a long time ago. I would highly suggest you go back to her clues video and find that agency that supposedly ended. That was a hint. Well, let's take a listen to this. May determine how CNN will cover Trump not conceding the presidential election. I just want to underscore something that Michael said earlier about the transition and Trump, because I've been talking to a lot of people this morning on both sides, and they, I just keep hearing the same thing, both from Republicans who have not come out to congratulate Biden, but, uh, but also to those who have in the Democrats, and that is that we have to be you know, news organizations have to be very careful and very responsible about not giving Trump too much of a platform on his not conceding because they feel the transition can go forward. And, you know, other than the national security briefings, which are critical to start now, uh, they just, 
don't want us to exaggerate that Trump isn't leaving office. And I'm going to have a lot of specific reporting on that later today. But just big picture wanted to underscore what Michael had said. Yep. Agreed. On the issue of why it's important to get the transition going right, um, the 9-11 report talks about one of the problems was that this, the, 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 the trouble that was brewing got lost during the transition. So if you want a good concrete example of what happens when you don't have a good transition, go look at the Twin Towers. Yeah. So I think that's an what? Oh, wait a minute. We're going to listen to that again. Are you listening to what they say? Are you listening to what they say? Listen to what she said. Listen again. The example. Listen to the conspiring, but listen to what example they brought up on the conspiring. Agreed. On the issue of why it's important to get the transition going right, um, the 9-11 report talks about one of the problems was that this, the, 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 the trouble that was brewing got lost during the transition. So if you want a good concrete example of what happens when you don't have a good transition, go look at the Twin Towers. Yeah. So I think that's an important point. So I want you to think about it. Why would they bring up 9-11? and their role there. Why would they bring up the Twin Towers? Are you paying attention? See, this may seem something benign when people aren't listening carefully. Think. I'm going to play that part again. I want you to listen to the example she brought up. I'm just going to have you, it's the last time I'm going to play this, I want you to pay attention to what she is inferring. Uh, oddly enough, this was taped on 1109 when she was referring to their uh, actions during 9-11. Agreed. On the issue of why it's important to get the transition going right, um, the 9-11 report talks about one of the problems was that this the, 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 the trouble that was brewing got lost during the transition. So if you want a good concrete example of what happens when you don't have a good transition, go look at the Twin Towers. Yeah. So I think that's an important point. Um, uh, I think it was discussed a little bit yesterday in terms of national security. I think it's really uh, important to raise again. I, I, would, I would encourage folks to think about you know, that 9-11 commission report and the lack of transition. So I want you guys to think of the year 2000. And I'm going to say this to you as an actual fact. Hanging chads was total fix. Just think about that. Hanging chads was plain and it was... <laughs> A total fix. And they blamed it on a non-peaceful transition. Pay attention. Well, someone said, remember Building 7. Remember, March 25th. I did a show on it, how the uh, actual um, 
issue uh, of Building 7, it was determined that uh, it was a controlled demolition. Uh, the University of Alaska actually put out that report. And the same day they put out that report, a judge on the 9-11 hearing panel that's supposed to happen this January resigned or he put in for retirement. That's the third judge. Okay. So I want you to remember their words specific when there wasn't a good transition. We have to think of the thing of the Twin Towers. And on 11-9, they were talking about 9-11, which is so creepy, right? So creepy. Very, very creepy. So it's important that people listen to what people say. It is very important that you pay attention to the examples they brought up, that you pay attention to things that make you go, hmm, right? Now, uh, to finish this, I wanted to, is this it? Gosh darn it, Bergie. <laughs> he put his copy back up and it's working. Uh, he actually filed it uh, with uh, the Department of Justice and accompanied with his filing was, if you don't do anything, it's actually a crime. So now for the first time, Barr actually has evidence a stack of papers of evidence that he has to act upon because it's been filed. So it's um it's a pretty interesting um, development. So oh, if you haven't seen it, um, there is a site called Deep Capture. Um, hold on, and I saw um a post that Patrick Byrne did where he's talking about the machines. Um, yeah, I don't agree with all the information, but I wanted you to, I wanted to go through these graphs. Can you see these votes here? Can you see these votes here? Can you see the votes here, right? Remember that uh, meme that came out with uh, Biden on a, what was those electric chairs? Uh, so I want to show you this. You see this injection at the beginning? This is because they started counting after, after the other states started counting, right? So they knew uh, what adjustments the algorithm needed. Um, here's where the adjustments happen way later. Because even though they had this injection here, as you can see, there's a red line there that was obfuscated. These were actual votes, actual votes. I don't know if those were actual, but you see this here. We've seen this before in another country. I'm going to leave it at that. We've seen this activity where uh, the digital fix happens. Uh, here's another digital fix that happens. Here's another one. Mm. This is what this digital fix was backed up with backdated Biden ballots. Again, the ballots. Oh, shoot. No video. Gosh darn it. I'm sorry. Thank you, guys. I was busy. Um, so I guess I have to go through this for a second. So I want you to understand that all these backdated ballots, the fraudulent ballots and everything was to create the tangible evidence to fix this, this digital fix, this right here. This is how they injected it to remedy out 
the algorithm to work for them. They knew how much they needed to inject in order to balance the algorithm. And this is what they got. Now, over here, you see that they did it at the beginning because they were already aware of how, what, when, and where. I mean, in Arizona, we already know how they were using regular pens and then decided that they're going to use Sharpies so they know which ones were done on the day. This is the key. Here's the three-card Monty. Hi, amazing troubleshooters. First and foremost, I want to thank you all for supporting this historic election. From my seat in the command center today, I finally had the chance to marvel at the numbers and feel unbelievably grateful for all of you working so hard in support of democracy. Thanks isn't good enough, but thanks. Next, we've heard and we know, know you're hearing issues and concerns about the Sharpie markers. Starting tomorrow, 10-23 and through 11-2, we're asking that the clerks hand voters ballpoint pens rather than markers. We need to use the markers on election day, but for now and through 11-2, hand voters a ballpoint pen. You have plenty of pens in your supplies right now. Please message this to your inspectors and ensure they cascade this change down everyone on the board. If you have any questions, please let me know. I hope you have a great week. Kelly Dixon. What a... I'm not going to say it. So what was the point of this? Well, if you're using Sharpie markers on the day, you can't change those. You know which person came in person. It's pretty simple. They're not that smart. Not that smart. Really not that smart. So this is how they can change what they need at another time. Or maybe the optical scanners were trained differently for the Sharpie markers. That's the point. That's the point. So that is from October 22nd, a Maricopa County official. Here's the email. Dang, that's pretty interesting. Now look at this. Biden injection votes, backdated Biden mail-in ballots. Well, again, this is a digital fix and the ballots are simply there to do what? That's right. Make the tangible evidence, make the tangible evidence and look at the time, November 4th, 6.34, 50 a.m., sorry. And then we have it here. Oh, shoes. Uh, it's always around the same time. Is that like an avenue window? One would have to think, right? One would have to definitely think. So this is a website, Deep Capture, um, and... Um, it has some pretty interesting stuff. I've been trolling through it. Um, I'm actually quite impressed. So again, these people are sick, oh, but they tell you everything you need to know. You want to know what their plan is? Here we go. Listen it. Listen to their plan uh, from straight from the horse's mouth. Here we go. Let's remember this. We talked about this in July. Here we go. Yet or not, he will be leaving. Uh, just because he might not want to move out of the White House doesn't mean we won't have an inauguration ceremony to inaugurate a duly elected president of the United States. Mm. And the uh, I just, you know, I'm second in line uh, to the presidency. And just last week, I had my regular continuation of government briefing. This might interest you because it's, I say to them, this is never going to happen. God willing, it never will. But there is a process. It has nothing to do with that the certain occupant of the White House doesn't feel like moving and has to be fumigated out of there because the presidency is the presidency. It's not geography or location. So, so much for him. I wouldn't spend so much time, whether he knows it yet or not.
So listen to her words. She's telling you what they plan. Listen, listen. He will be leaving. Uh, just because he might not want to move out of the White House doesn't mean we won't have an inauguration ceremony to inaugurate a duly elected president of the United States. Mm. And the uh, I just, you know, I'm second in line uh, to the presidency. And just last week. She's second in line, Samuel Huntington. Anyone? That's right. She was talking about January. We talked about this when I walked you through their whole plan. Talked about it in July, too. And earlier than that, I told you, you're not going to get the results of the election from anybody but the media, right? Nobody. Oh, and if any of you out there have a screenshot of AP site from the night of the elections that says AP powered by Seidel, I would love it to come from different sources, too. I have it, but if I'm the only one that has it, then I can't, you know, document that. I need others. So I'm putting this out to the 5,000 people that are listening right now live um, to get that for me. But I told you this. This is from July. We already went through this. They already told you, oh, I'm second in line. And everyone's like, well, what about Pence? Well, forget Pence. Pence and President Trump are a package. She is second in line. She's the one that wants to step in on the day of inauguration when they don't have a president. She steps in. She's been, damn, you can see her salivating talking about this too. So I had my regular continuation of government briefing. This might interest you because it's, I say to them, this is never going to happen. God willing, it never will. But Oh, this is never going to happen, but God willing, it will. Uh, I'll never be president for the day and decide who I pick or decide to say, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to stay here because I said so. I mean, she could do that. That, that would be hilarious. <laughs> that would be totally it, but it's not happening because we already knew your plan. But there is a process. It has nothing to do with the certain occupant of the White House. Doesn't certain occupant of the White House? That's your president, chick. Okay. And again, damn, right? Her eyebrows are going to be in her hairline soon. But listen to the way she speaks about the president of the United States. Everybody in the world is watching that. Uh, for those of you that have served, there's probably been many, many times that you hate your general, your admiral, your CO, your lieutenant, your first sergeant, master sergeant, whatever, right? Your chief. You may not like them. Your chief warrant officers, right? you may not like them, but would you, in front of friendly and enemy nations, speak like that about them, right? Even if you don't like them, would you ever turn around and give them a look? Man, I'll tell you, I've had many times that I'd have to hold my tongue. So I'm sure many of you have. Why? Because it makes us look bad. This is how much they don't care. Why? Because Team Global is on Team Pelosi, on Team Corruption, on Team Fourth Unelected Branch of Government, on Team Fifth Column. I feel like moving and has to be fumigated out of there because the presidency is the presidency. So they're of the fact that President Trump is not going anywhere. And so they're just going to pick another alternate location. Right. She's telling you this. She is telling you this. It's not geography or location. So, so much for him. I wouldn't spend so much time on it. That's a victory for him because then we're not talking about your first more important subject, which is what are we going to do to stop this vicious virus? So she's like, yeah, we're just going to pick a location and we're going to have two presidents, one that we and the media say is legit and the other one that the people have voted for. This is what's up. This is how you create a civil war in a very civilized fashion. 
but we can pull the rug right from under them. Okay. And sorry, it had to be this way, but you'll remember in February, 2021, end of February, everything's going to be just fine. You just have to see it. You just have to see it. You know, to believe it, you have to see it. That is making an assault on our our health, our, again, our lives, our livelihood, life of our democracy. In the HEROES Act, we have $3.6 billion for vote by mail. Uh, this is very, very important. HEROES Act, CARES Act, all of it about mail, vote by mail. Let's see how we can cheat. You know, again, there's Ness at work, hmm? right? There's Ness at work. What? Oh, no. Yes. Because in, in the end, this man who loves his country, see how he can cheat, loves his people, is how it works, right? It's about the people, not about them, not about you specifically or me specifically. It's about the people. And, you know, it's, um, it's, it's happening. It is really, really happening. So now there's a Michigan hearing on. Uh, for those of you that are going to be watching that, uh, the Michigan hearing is on. Uh, you might hear things that have been repeated on the, on air. That's fine, right? It's all good. And remember, our little eagle is going to fly high. Why? Because even though we have broken wings at the moment, we are going to be just fine. On that note, I want to wish you all a fabulous, fabulous, fabulous evening. I will see you tomorrow. God bless and please pray. <laughs>